0: Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world.
1: Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and Responsibility. Transform life is about growth, learning, and evolving.
0: A transform life leads to transform communities, and transform communities impact the world. One conversation at a time.
1: Welcome to the last episode for this summer season of increasing our vulnerability. Yeah. The last series has been on Armor Up, and again, we're looking at Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. We are in page 76. So far, we have looked at driving perfectionism and fostering fear of failure, then working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition. Numbing was last week, and today, we finish with... Which one, honey?
0: We are going to be looking at uh, armor number four. Number cuatro. For those from who the book.
1: don't speak English. No, that's terrible. <laughs> I just it.
0: Now you would say we're going to be looking at uh, el cuatro. Mm-hmm. Or for those of you who do not speak Spanish, the four.
1: Gotcha. That was much better.
0: Yep. The fourth armor is propagating the false dichotomy. A victim or a viking, crush or be crushed. And the daring leadership component of that is practicing integration, strong back, soft front, wild heart. I actually think that's a really good title. But let's, let's break down the armored one a little bit.
2: Okay.
0: So propagating. Propagating basically means publicity, like spreading Propaganda. the word. Yep. Kind of comes, I think, from the same root. As propaganda. Um, so, just like spreading it around, uh, making it continue. The false dichotomy.
1: Yeah, what is that?
0: <laughs> Dictionary time. I like it. All right. Dichotomy is defined by dictionary.com as a division or contrast between two things that are or are re- represented as being opposed or entirely different. <clears throat> That's dichotomy. Propagating the false dichotomy. So it's saying that this isn't true, you know, uh, of victim or Viking, crush or be crush. Wait, crushed.
1: what's Viking?
0: Viking is uh, like a conqueror. They're, ah. they're from history. Norse warriors. Yes. That raided all up and down the coasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So victim or Viking. So it's basically saying that some people feel like in life. You're either a victim or you're a conqueror.
1: Mm, yes, I have heard that a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. like there's an old saying that if you kill 10 people, mm-hmm. you're a mass murderer. But if you kill a million, you're a conqueror. You're a king.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Crush or be crushed. Propagating a false dichotomy of victim or Viking, crush or be crushed. So you have to just get out there, you have to make things happen, you mm-hmm. have to win or life is going to kind of like run over you.
1: Yeah. Yes, I do hear that pretty often.
0: Yeah, people can feel like the rich have built their wealth on the backs of the poor,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So how would this go with Christianity? One way I feel like it goes with Christianity is a, a topic that we've kind of gotten around to kind of mm-hmm. on the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to do an exhaustive... Dive into it today, but I think we're gonna do enough just to uh, get people's interest and get people's maybe question, okay. right? So I kind of think of this as a false dichotomy in Christianity of the mindset of you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So I think you know what it means for me is that I think some people you know get this idea in their heads that. I have to believe the right things. I have to go to the right church. I have to have the right group of friends so that when I die, I'm going to get a ticket to heaven and I'm, I'm going to escape hell.
1: Yeah. Um, recently, we were in a conversation when someone did a really cool analogy mm-hmm. about uh, reti- having being be in your retirement plan <laughs> uh, and... Uh, Basically, what we're doing is we're selling this like insurance or this retirement plan for people. Yeah. So, um, I,
0: this was actually a huge issue for me. I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of been an issue for me my whole life, but <laughs> this this kind of led me to actually be an atheist. Interesting. As a as a high school student, because it just you know being around this idea my whole life, uh, growing up Catholic, it just stop making sense you know if god was real and you know he wants us all to go to this great heaven i remember a nun actually explained heaven to me once
1: oh cool tell me about her
0: sister jude Mm. sister jude was about uh four or five feet tall (laughs) she she was really little um and she just seemed like ancient like she was just old she was old and plump and short Kind of shaped like a pear. Aww. But this woman had a vibrancy about her mm. that just made all of us second graders fall in love with her. <laughs> second graders. <laughs> we just thought she was amazing. Yeah, she was
1: taller than you guys. She second w- graders. Four I, think she, five I
0: think she was like looking in our eyes <laughs> in second grade. Uh, and she explained heaven to me. Uh, to us, I guess, the entire class. Mm. And, you know, Sister Jude was really cool. Mm-hmm. She had um, a I think heart. Your
2: mom talks about her.
0: Yeah, she had a heart for dogs. Mm. So my mom would uh, take me, and we would drive Sister Jude around, and we would help her like bring find homes for dogs, and then she would bring food for these dogs. Mm. So there, I remember there was one like I guess you know these animals they didn't like come from the best backgrounds, so they were kind of like being rehabilitated actually got like knocked over by like a German Shepherd because we went to go see this dog and we opened the door and the German Shepherd just ran at me and just boom, I just fell straight back because it jumped up on me and it knocked me over and <laughs> you know I was like it's cool man we're gonna be friends and I, I remember actually making friends with that dog
2: mm.
0: later on you know and the dog really he would get so excited whenever he saw me but he would be like okay I can't like jump at this
1: <laughs> little skinny boy little
0: skinny boy <laughs> Uh, knock him over. So she explained heaven to us. Says, Imagine, you know, you have a really rich relative. You have a rich uncle. You have a rich aunt. You have a rich someone who's related to you. And they've given you a ticket uh, to this, this place where you're going to eat the best food. There's going to be all this fun stuff to do. It's going to be like on a tropical island. <laughs> and... They've given you a ticket, all expenses paid, you're going to fly first class, you know, and they, they've given you the ticket. You have the ticket. It's just up to you whether or not you want to take the ticket.
2: Hmm.
0: And so she used it as like a metaphor for like Jesus in the world. So basically, Jesus' death on the cross uh, paid everyone's ticket in the entire world to go to this magical place when they died called heaven. And the only problem was is that like, you had to accept that ticket in order to go. Hmm. And if you didn't accept it, you were going to go to a, a miserable place. Uh, you know, she didn't actually talk about hell much. But, you know, as growing up, you know, learning more and more about hell. And it just, it just seemed like so strange. Mm-hmm. Like there was like I almost imagined it like a, I've never been to Disney but i used to always wanted to i always wanted to go i still want to go we're
1: gonna do it next especially
0: with harry potter world and uh batu uh star wars i I have to go
1: i'm so sorry the pandemic canceled that trip. yeah
0: (laughs) so you know but i always wanted to go to disney Mm -hmm. and you know i I imagine i remember one day thinking wait a minute wait a minute okay so if heaven is like the most incredible disney that you could ever imagine Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be really really weird if in the middle of Disney, there was just a big hole okay. where we threw everyone who we didn't like or we didn't agree with, and they were just tortured, like constantly. And so you're trying to like enjoy the Magic Kingdom or like the teacups or whatever, it is, whatever <laughs> it is there, right? And like while you're... In this amazing amusement park, there's the sounds of screams and there's the sounds of be- people being tortured. Wow. And I was like, this just doesn't make any sense, <laughs> you know? And I was always kind of like like a brainy kid, <laughs> you know? So even just like... Kind of? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are there people who are more brainy than me, but I, I remember even having a really hard concept, uh, a really hard time wrapping my head around the concept of infinity mm. or eternity. Mm. And then, you know, you think about like even people, you know, and it's like in the grand scope of time or deep time, we're basically already dead. We're basically just walking corpses who haven't stopped moving yet.
1: What do you mean?
0: Uh, Like in the, in the grand scheme of like history
1: okay.
0: or time, like we're just here for like a minute.
1: Oh, I and see. And then we're gone. I see.
0: So it just seemed like odd to me that somebody would be punished for these vast, vast epochs of time. All of this eternity for something they did in this brief, brief window. Like they either did it or like they didn't like, they didn't believe the right things. They didn't know the right things. They weren't part of the same church. It was just strange to me. I was like, I didn't. I was like, God just must not be real because this is just something that, this is like a nightmare. Who would, who would have thought this up? You know, like this is just primitive humans, just you know being like, oh, you don't agree with me, you're you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a Catholic, you read sections of the Bible, but you don't really read deep into the Bible because Catholicism is more about traditions and theology than it really is about the Bible,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So it just didn't like. I was like, this doesn't. This is crazy to me. You know how how could this be? And then becoming uh, a Christian uh, in a more Stone Campbell evangelical type of Christianity. Um, you know, I just, I I kind of felt like I had to accept it. Like I just read it. It was in the Bible. Okay, we're on a mission. We're gonna save as many people as possible. I remember one one uh, preacher using the illustration of starfish did you ever hear this
1: one yeah one starfish at a time <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically
0: this guy goes to the beach and there's this kid who's picking up starfish who were gonna like i guess die because they have got washed up on shore and it was like thousands of them mm-hmm. and the kid is like running back and forth like just throwing all these starfish back into the water but more are still coming because the tide's coming in it's going out and uh, this guy's like, what, what are you doing? You, you can't save all the starfish. What, what you're doing doesn't, it doesn't matter. And the kid was like, well, it matters to this one. And he throws one back in. And it matters to this one. He throws another one yeah. back in. And it matters to this one. And I remember that at the time that got me really emotional because I really bought into this whole like heaven and hell. Like we're, you know, what I've come to call survival Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like we just got to get out of here alive. Mm-hmm. And we got to save as many people from this terrible, terrible fate of hell, um, you know, and it really impacted me because I was like, yeah, I'm on this mission. You know, people people don't know. Like, my friends are going to hell. You know, my parents are going to hell. Everyone I've ever known and loved are going to hell. My grandmother died mm-hmm. before joining the church. My nana, who I love, mm-hmm. she must be in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it, it was just very traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. But it made me, like, very, like, purposeful. I was like, you know... Uh, I think it was like first year second year into college. Uh, I was very ambitious as a student. I was I wanted to go and study astrophysics and physics and but English was always more like my thing. Like, you know, reading and writing that that came more naturally to me. So I really had to work really, really hard at being a scientist like I was able to get like all these concepts very well like I had like an encyclopedia walking around in my head of <laughs> concepts you still did but to do the math it would take me just like retraining my brain
2: mm-hmm.
0: like how to think so I had to work very very hard in college and when I got in touch with uh this church and they taught me about like you know my purpose what I thought at the time was my purpose to save people from hell yeah. I was like nothing else matters mm-hmm. like class doesn't matter anymore yeah. All this work I had done in the astronomy department didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was like so dialed in yeah. to to school as a freshman. I even got my name on like scientific papers because we were hunting, uh, we were cataloging near Earth asteroids. So I had my name on a few of them where it's like we had we had uh, we had cataloged a few asteroids. We didn't discover anything, mm-hmm. but we like checked their orbits. So we sent like these publications to. This aside, anyway, like, like, my family didn't matter anymore. Mm. My friends didn't matter anymore. Mm. People I had known like my entire life. Uh, my job didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered because I was on a mission. So my grades tanked. Um, I I lost. I lost a lot of friends. You know. I I think I hurt my family. Mm. Lots and lots of things. All because I was really. I was just like. I felt like I almost like I went crazy for a time because I was like, nothing else matters, but just, I have to go in. And I was like, I would be like crazy. I would just like get on the ferry and just like, start like talking to people, Mm -hmm. just like almost like begging them, you know, being on a college campus and just walking from one side of the campus to the other, just like constantly trying to convince people, constantly trying to talk to people. And then there, there weren't even just like the people who, you know, didn't want to be Christian and didn't want to know anything about God. They were like, like the Pentecostal church was also big on my college at the time. And there were other Christian societies. I was like, I have to go and I have to save them too, because they're thinking the wrong things. They're going to go to hell. So I would just like debate with them and talk with them. And then people who didn't believe in God. And I was like, I was there too for a while. And it was just like, I was just all into the idea of heaven and hell.
2: Yeah.
0: And then, uh, something happened that changed that idea forever for me. Do you want to know what that is?
2: <laughs> yes.
0: I actually read the Bible. <laughs> I read it for myself, cover to cover. Uh and I was like read the whole thing and I'm like I don't I don't think this book is about hell. I don't think this is about escaping hell at all. Especially in the Old Testament, you know, Jesus seemed really to be concerned with hell. But then, like, you know, you look at the words, and it's like, it sounds like more like he's actually talking about real places. Mm-hmm. Like, he's actually talking about burning, and he's pointing to a place that's on fire. Because mm-hmm. that's how they dealt with their garbage. Garbage back then. It was just very traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all these different areas. And around the same time, our, our church experienced uh, kind of, like, internal upheaval. And it kind of broke apart into hundreds of different churches all across the world. Um, we lost, I think, most of our leadership. So most of the people who had, you know, brought me into this were just gone yeah. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, just like evaporating into like thin air. And then uh, kind of just like left and just, what, what do you do? You know, like learning this stuff, actually reading the Bible, but having a community that I felt very close to and a part of and I was like wow my community doesn't believe what the bible actually is telling us to believe you know um yeah so I call it survival christianity that's how I see victim or viking crusher or be crushed as an armored form of leadership yeah you know
1: yeah it's uh I I love all these timings when we come to record together I want to read to you what I read this morning after not being in Instagram for three days. Wow. <laughs> Very refreshing. Did you yep.
0: actually last the entire three days? Three days. Wow. Proud yep. of you.
1: Yep. Yep. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday.
0: Did you delete it from your phone? I did. Oh, well, okay. That was
1: like a really great tip. Nice. <laughs> Here's what I read today. and This is from Anne Lamont it's a quote lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save they just stand there shining
0: mm, that's great
1: and we were at the lighthouse we were twice yeah two days actually we kept going back to it and um i certainly could relate to everything you just said i know we've I've shared this throughout the podcast, you know, yeah. and so so have you. Um, but certainly, can't relate to um, being in a mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much about getting people to avoid help because the year before I I um, got baptized, became a disciple, I had found my calling, mm. and uh, it was beyond amazing it was at a purpose and i believe at that time that my purpose was to work with the youth and that i belong in the camp and after school world and i will be part of this role forever and ever amen
2: Mm, wow
1: (laughs) and so understanding when i got when i when, when i started coming to the church I too left other things such as Primarica. I was part of Primerica and I was teaching people how to get out of debt, um, get insurance, right? So I was teaching them how to go from whole insurance to term insurance. So when I came around, I was like, oh, it's like the same thing, you know, um, trying to help people go from darkness to light. And um, I, however, always knowing that I had a very specific way of doing it. And that was not welcome (laughs) whatsoever for me as a a baby disciple. Because I wanted to go dancing, not at clubs, but just like join dance classes, do fun activities, create this, and that was not welcome. And so kinda that's when I started going to the teen ministry. And that in the teen industry, guess what I'm doing? I'm working with the youth. You're having fun. And I'm having a blast. So I didn't get to experience much of the whole we need to save people now. Because one of the things that in our tradition that we I believe we do um, embrace is the timing. Uh, Most likely because so many teens in the past were so pressured. So in both ministries teen ministries in queens and here in staten island you know pressuring teens with something that we avoid at at all times and it was more like embracing and creating those real relationships so for me it wasn't that drastic until i studied um more than anything is really the bible project is the ones that really have helped me to understand the whole concept with you know heaven and earth and just tim's or i think it was john's you know it's like yeah google it up see how many times you'll see heaven and hell in the same sentence and you'll get zero <laughs> and then go google or go to bible gateway and put heaven and earth and then tons of scriptures and that in itself just blew my mind
2: hmm.
1: um but that's a little bit of, like, part of, like, my thinking. It's, like, it's, like, where we have our purpose. And then it went from this purpose to then after the the, the letter or what you're talking about, this 2003, I was basically, I went right into the team ministry. And so I felt I was actually living out my mission and with the youth.
0: Yeah, because I think it's a, that's an interesting problem, too. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of resistance to this idea, yes. you know, um, of this false dichotomy of heaven and hell, yes. is it can almost make people feel like, but well, but then what's the point?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And why am I doing this?
2: Right.
0: Why am I reaching out to people? Why am I studying the Bible with people? Why am I here at all? Why am I so busy? Yeah you know
1: the pushback along this journey has been Patty why, why do I have to find my way I oh, I mean why should I find my purpose
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's I want to be like Jesus uh, you know that's all I want to do and then I'm like that is so vague like I've always struggled with that you know like no but you have like a unique way and the pushback has been strong till now yeah very strong yeah I'm it's def- almost like I don't understand. Like, people are looking at me like with three
0: eyes. Yeah. You know, and I, I think I was there for a while, too. I was like, okay, well, you know, the Bible does seem to imply that when we die, we will be with the Lord. We will be with Jesus. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess he's in heaven. So I guess in some ways, maybe we'll be there. He talks a little bit about paradise. And I was like, you know, but they do really seem more focused on... You know, as you know, I think N.T. Wright says, life after life after death. Mm-hmm. Like the resurrection, the restoration of all things. So I used to kind of just feel like, okay, like, so I can keep my community. I can keep going to this church. And I don't have to feel the need to convince every single person of this n- new old reality that I have I was becoming aware of. Uh, because, like, you know, they'll get there eventually. Mm. You know, nobody was necessarily re- denying that there was going to be a resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to joke, I wanted on my tombstone. Uh, James Daniel Zito, you know, 1979 to whenever I died, he walked with God and he will walk again.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I,
0: I kind of maybe still want that on my tombstone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, we'll see. But just the idea of like, okay, I don't have to go around and convince everybody of this. Like I, I just know a little bit deeper than most. Like, I didn't see it as a dangerous idea.
1: Oh, it's so dangerous.
0: Until James. relatively recently when uh, we both read one of the same books. And I read it the first time. And I was like, oh, wow, this this more clearly articulates, you know, some things I had been thinking and feeling. It was a book by N.T. Wright called Surprise cult, surprised by Hope. Mm-hmm. And then you read the same book and you were just <laughs> like, like a fire had been lit under you. And you were just mm-hmm. like, what? Like, you know, like it changed everything for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like. People are just, you know, they don't know the the full truth, but I think that's okay. Like, you know, they're just more focused. And just, I think that focus on, okay, like everything's going to be better when I die. Mm. It's, you know, it's a very like me focused, it's a very selfish focused. It's you just focused on heaven for you. And uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you why I was so fire up about yeah, please. this? Okay, so... Uh, three years ago, when I took this program, the perfect day formula mm-hmm. again, this whole perfectionism, right? Even in the entrepreneurial uh, world.
0: Craig Ballantyne, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, I mean, he's still a great guy. However, one of the exercises was, you know, coming, going back to like almost like the seven habits of highly effective people think with the end in mind, right? So he had, go, had us go through the exercise about thinking at the end goal. And so the first thing i go, I was like, oh, well, heaven, right? Right, heaven, yeah, that's my goal. That's that's where I'm going to land um, with my purpose here, but my destination is heaven. So mm. I didn't have this urgency of hell, but I was very focused on like, yay, one day, no more tears, no more suffering, da, 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 right? So... Um, okay so you know this scene from Lord of the Rings I forget all the characters names but he uh, the main character what's his name
0: uh, well those, the the, ho- the hobbits th-
1: the main the, the one with the blue eyes
0: Frodo Baggins Frodo okay Frodo I Frodo. know Baggins Frodo Baggins
1: <laughs> so Frodo's in like hurt he's somewhere in the forest and here comes this chick in, 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 uh, in a white horse mm-hmm. picks him up puts him in the horse and then escapes all these like four to five black horses or the evil forces the nazgul okay thank you yeah you nerdified this story right the here. ring race. <laughs> so she's like going up the mountain right and then that whole scene really like it was like implanted like big mm. <laughs> in my imagination because throughout my time in in the tradition that we're currently in is that many people left and in that tradition they're called they fell away <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you know they're definitely not going to heaven people they fell away they're going to hell right yep. so in this scene it's me trying to rescue and mm. I, and i specifically had one person in mind, my best friend in the whole world that i was gonna rescue her and we were gonna go to heaven and as I was, you know, really diving into um, learning more about the fear of, the, of God and just like really diving in my Bible, I started realizing that that was not my job. And so slowly or slowly, this, this whole idea of rescuing people, you know, because it could have been my best friend, it could have been my mom, my dad. I was like, no, no, this is my own journey. So what I picture is me and that horse going up to the top top of the mountain, getting off the horse and then seeing around all these cliffs, all those mountains and up up those mountains will pop my best friend and my dad and my mom all under separate mountains mm. And because at that time I was like, okay, I knew this was a personal decision, right? So in my head, was like, I climb my own mountain, and when I get there, like, aka heaven, I hope to see all my loved ones, right, Mm. climbing their own mountain, and so, anyway, so as we're going through this exercise, I still remember I was in Snug Harbor, so this is 2015, this is so big, this is 2015, I'm journaling from what he's talking about, and then I was like, you know, so it's like, I had like, the music, you know, like, my hair is flowing in the horse, right? I'm getting to the mountain, and I'm seeing, like, all my loved ones coming up in their own. And then it was like, now what? <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: I was like, okay, something about singing? Do I sing? I mean, like, what do we do? Like, now what? We stare at each other? Like... This is so, like, crazy. Mm.
2: Like, now what? Yeah,
1: now what
0: what? what?
1: what What? do we do? Like, and I'm here. Like, so it's like, it was kind of like the musing. Someone, like, scratched the record. It's like, rewind. And mm. I just kind of put it to the side. And when I read this book, hmm. I opened the record again. Hmm to my purpose here on earth. And also, the fact that this book came right after us doing the training um, about the five dysfunctions of a team mm-hmm. and how we were preaching let's stop focusing on results and focus on building trust. Right. I really started seeing that the reason why we focus on results is because we live our life with the result of
0: heaven. Mm-hmm.
1: And then watching the conflict, the fear of conflict, the lack of commitment, and all that seed just trickled down i was my mind exploded it was like what have we landed on james Daniel Zito? and how come you <laughs> 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 however yeah. i'm happy that i was able to go through it on my own mm-hmm. and now i know that we're both like sitting here it's like man we, we got to talk about this, you mm. know, hence our podcast here. Hence
0: our podcast.
1: Um, and so, yeah, that's like a, a little bit of story into like the, the scratching of the record to like, so not, what, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a little bit of like my, um, un, just like the shifting of um, more, the shifting of what I see heaven as. Mm.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, I'm totally with you, too. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's challenging because then it's like, well, then what? Now now, what do I do? Like, if my focus isn't on heaven and getting as many people as possible to heaven, getting as many people as possible to escape the fiery punishment of hell, like, you know, for all eternity, for all eternity, you know, because of something they did in this little speck of time we call life. Oh you know like if you think about you know which which I tend to do you know as just person who I am when you think about the deep deep recesses of time and how like so much has happened and so much is yet to happen it's just it just seemed so absurd yeah you know what are we doing and then yeah i think you know even doing that training too for the for the church about you know trying to reorient people's thinking yeah to results like, like you know, heaven and hell. Uh, results like baptisms. Mm-hmm. Results like just doing things for the sake of doing things,
1: mm-hmm. and, and re- busy
0: and being busy, mm-hmm. and like just really building that environment of, of trust and vulnerability,
1: mm-hmm. which takes time. Which
0: takes time. It's like, well, then, but what's what's the point? Yeah. Why are we doing all this? And so, for me, I think when you look in the Bible, you know. And looking, looking into the Bible deeply can be a very traumatic experience. <laughs> it really can be. And I really, I don't envy people who are doing it for the first time, uh, especially alone. Because that, that was kind of me. Like, you know, like, I kind of looked at this stuff alone. I felt like the more I opened my mouth about the things I was reading, uh, the more, like, I kind of got pushed <laughs> out of leadership and pushed, p- kind of pushed away. Like, all right, Jimmy, whatever. It's it's fine. You know, like... uh yeah so I, I you know it's it's hard to do it on your own yeah you know so i'm I'm very grateful that you know there are communities and I hope that we can form a community where people can really feel like we can talk about these things and we can learn this stuff together and uh, you don't have to agree with me necessarily. you don't have to like look at the Bible and read it the same way, but we're gonna like we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna discuss it you know but it's like kind of backing up a second. Backing up a second, I think when you read the Bible, you kind of see like there's like there's a narrative structure that goes through the whole thing mm-hmm. that connects the first pages of Genesis In to the, beginning. the last pages of Revelation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's and it's this long drawn out drama, not of we have to escape God's judgment, not like, you know, God is telling us, OK, like I'm coming and when I come again, I'm going to, I'm going to burn everything down. You know, there's, there's like a, there's a TikTok video where like a guy is pretending to be God and Noah and uh, you know, it's after the flood and God's like, I am never going to destroy you with water again. And Noah's like, oh, great. Thanks. Wait a minute. What did you mean by with water? And then it, it cuts back to, to God and he's just like sitting there like smiling like all evilly, <laughs> you know, because he's like, okay, he promised not to destroy us with water, but he's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to destroy all of us. He's going to burn us, burn all away and he's going to take, you know, the chosen few up to heaven to party with him like it's 1999. So instead of seeing this survival Christianity portrayed, I see something else.
2: Okay.
0: And... I have a great name for it now because of the work from the Bible project, Bima and uh, N.T. Wright and the other people we've been reading, Middleton, Herschel even. uh, Right. And that is the new humanity.
1: Yes. Sorry, that just gives me chills. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the opposite of living in a world of false binaries is practicing integration. or the act of bringing together all parts of ourselves and, in the process, bringing the world back together. Right? And so I really like her analogy here of practicing integration, strong back, soft front, and wild heart. And I want to talk about humanity from an evolutionary point of view. All right. For a
1: second. Let's geek out. Yeah. I mean, you geek out. If you think about
0: (laughs) most animals... Mm -hmm. Most insects, most creatures, most life. It's built to be invulnerable Mm. to the best of its abilities, Mm -hmm. right? Even Like think about dogs. We all love dogs, right? (laughs) Yes. All of their soft parts, all of their organs, all of the things that could be damaged are kind of like hidden because they walk on all fours. Yeah. It's facing the ground. Mm. So if they get attacked by a predator or by, you know, another dog. Um, their parts are protected as much as they can be, uh, you know, quite well. Hmm. And it seems to be like a common thing. Like, you know, insects have a tough exoskeleton. Their skeletons are on the outside, like armor, Hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. to, you know, protect them from the dangers of existence. And then here comes humans. (laughs) It almost seems like a design flaw when you really think about it. Because all of our parts that could be easily damaged are kind of just, like, out there. Exposed, yeah.
2: Like, we mm-hmm. walk on
0: two legs. Mm-hmm. We walk upright, right? Mm-hmm. And our all of our vital organs are kind of just there to be damaged. Wow. You know? So in, in times of warfare, throughout the history of mankind, we've always kind of armored up to protect mm-hmm. ourselves. Right? Sensing a theme here. Yeah. But for some reason, God designed us. His intelligent design for us was to make somehow in our design to embed it in our DNA vulnerability. Wow. He made us to be vulnerable, right? And you can see it all the way back, you know, the creation story. Yeah. You know, the first thing that happened after they, you know, ate of the forbidden fruit... From the from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is what did they do?
1: Isn't they good and bad?
0: Uh, yeah. What did I say?
1: Evil.
0: Yeah, good and bad, tov and ra.
1: Yeah, that's
0: <laughs> yeah, my uh, my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what's the first thing they did after they ate? They hit. They
1: put. They cover
0: themselves. They covered themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jordan uh, B. Peterson does a great podcast on this, where he talks about like suddenly they realize that. They were going to get hurt. It's mm-hmm. like they entered into history where they understood their capacity for harm, and also their compa- their capacity to be hurt. And so, for the first time, man and woman, man and woman looked at each other, and they, they wanted to protect themselves from each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So they clove themselves. They clove their vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, it's just it's very interesting to me. This whole concept of God somehow building into us this idea of, you know, being vulnerable.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's like a visual biological <laughs> monument yeah. to, like, what God wanted to do with us.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, because if you, if you really think about it, what is the one thing that God lacks? I don't know. Limitations. God lacks Limitations. So in order for God, he designed creatures that are very, very limited.
2: Mm.
0: He d- He engineered an experience where he actually could be limited. His whole plans could be thrown out the window, could be frustrated. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It almost seems like a, f- a feature in the design versus like a bug. Like, oh no, everything went wrong. Almost like somehow like... This is all part of God's plan. Us being vulnerable. Hmm. So she has the idea of a strong back,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: That's just being confident. Mm-hmm. You know, being being confident means you also have boundaries. You know where you begin, where you end, and where others begin and end, mm-hmm. right? You don't make people's problems your problems. Right? You don't go rescue. <laughs> you don't go and try and rescue people. Mm-hmm. You don't have this this crazy idea that you need to go run out. And like take all these starfish and throw them back into the ocean. You don't have to run around like a crazy person because people who are perfectly fine minding their own business, trying to live their life, you have the good news of the gospel that they're actually going to go to hell. Mm. And so is most of the people that they've ever known. And so are everybody in the world. Good news, guys. (laughs) We're all doomed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But don't worry. Some of us are going to be saved. Oh, how many? Oh, just a few. Very, very few. Very few. Of the whole world,
2: huh.
0: really? It's like such like a, like a misunderstanding of the power of God,
2: uh-huh.
0: who does all things in the conformity of His will,
2: uh-huh.
0: right? She also has she also has the idea of a soft front, being vulnerable,
2: yeah,
0: being curious, yeah, right, and not letting that shake you. I think a lot of times as Christians, we we don't like the idea of uncertainty we want our nice little boxes we want to know how to get saved how to save others and how to how to make sure that we escape hell and that we're, we're going to heaven you know instead of just being vulnerable being like you know maybe i don't know everything maybe there's more stuff for me to learn here and just to be curious yeah you know when you meet somebody, your I, your job isn't to convince them that everything they think and feel and have done is wrong.
2: Yeah.
0: And they need to become like you so that they can go to the good place when they die.
2: Yeah.
0: Instead of the bad place. You know? Brene then says wild heart. I love that. Uh, living out these paradoxes in our lives. So it's,
1: What does she mean by that?
0: That it's a difficult thing to do mm. to not know something, admit that there could be multiple possibilities. Got it, yes. And then continually live in that tension.
1: Right. Embracing that.
0: Embracing that wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think she means by that, you know? And I think of um, Aslan from The Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> Remember yeah. him? Yeah. The lion?
1: Yeah, the lion. Yeah. When, Especially uh, when he comes out of the ocean. I kept thinking about that when we were at the beach The oh, okay. past two days. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Well, you know, I, mean, I don't really think of Aslan from the movies as much. The movies are great. Yeah. You know, like, I thought they did, like, a really good job. Uh, but in the book, you know, you're hearing about Aslan. Aslan's on the move, mm-hmm. the animal said. And, you know, the forest creatures. And they were like, oh, what is that? The kids were like, what does that mean? And they were, like, talking about who he was and, like, you know, he was the king. And they were like... Wait, he's a lion. Is that very safe?
2: <laughs> and
0: I think it was the badger. I don't remember who the character was exactly, but the badger kind of sat back and laughed and goes, <laughs> "Of course he's not safe, but he's good, mm. you know." And I think you know, C.S. Lewis, being a theologian, yes, um, you know, had a point there about God.
2: Mm. You
0: know, God is not safe, mm. but he's good, yeah, and we can trust that, yeah, you know. And he made us to be good, and he made us for a good purpose, and that purpose was to be vulnerable to him yes. as he was being vulnerable to us. Vulnerable and for us, to the text. Yeah, vulnerable to the text mm-hmm. that we have now and vulnerable to each other. Yeah. You know, because I think with or without the Bible, that purpose would remain true to the heart of humanity and the heart of our story is that we were here. We're here to be vulnerable to something higher than us, the creator, and to be vulnerable to each other. And the story of the Bible is basically the story of how that just keeps going wrong and going wrong and it gets worse and worse as people build walls and they build cities of blood, cities of suffering. And my fear is that in modern Christianity, we're basically doing the same. We're building walls all the time. We're building walls made of knowledge. We're building walls made of scripture and verse. Mm -hmm. We're building walls of judgment. Of like, okay, they're not real Christians. We're real Christians.
1: Of safety. Walls of safety.
0: Walls of safety. That, I need to protect myself.
1: That actually enables. People.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, versus, you know, just opening up the gates.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Demolishing the walls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bringing everything together.
1: Yeah. Integration.
0: Integration. And I think that is such a scary, vulnerable concept that there's a part of me that almost wishes I could just say, okay, I want to go back to the way I was 20 years ago, where I was like, okay, heaven and hell, I need to save people from hell. Because at least it was like a really simple purpose that you can put on a bumper sticker, <laughs> or you could you could say in a sentence, you know, and it just, there was so much certainty in that, you know, and our church has gone through, you know, a lot of things over the past Uh, few decades that I've been a part of it and I think one of the things that's kept us from really progressing is that I think the mistakes that we've made and the consequences that have happened because of those mistakes have not caused us to wake up and to become more vulnerable it's become I think a lot of times it's become more like a knowledge thing Uh oh we didn't get a few things right but now we have it right now you know or we had this practice we had abusive leadership you know, we made people do things. We don't do that anymore. We know better now. but like where is the vulnerability? right Where's the vulnerability of just being like, you know what?
1: We don't know <laughs> <laughs> we don't know.
0: we're trying to figure this out too yeah. this this Bible thing is strange and wonderful and weird. yeah we're strange, wonderful, and weird yeah. you know and like we're we want to get to bring all this together somehow bringing the world back together. And Jesus is a beautiful beautiful illustration of that. It's like the resurrection of the dead. It's the future coming forward Mm
2: -hmm.
0: into the past, into their present, right? And showing us the reality of what's happening. Death has been swallowed up. Death has been defeated. And, you know, even though it seems to have power still, because, you know, people still die, we mm-hmm. all know people who have died. And people are still suffering. And people are still suffering, mm-hmm. but it it's limited in duration. It's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, there's gonna there's gonna be some type of restoration. Do we know what that is? No. <laughs> you know, we're not even clear about like what Jesus was when he came back, because in some ways he was Jesus, in some ways he was he wasn't the Jesus that they knew, right? Because until he like broke some loaves and fishes. The people on the road to Emmaus didn't... Come, have breakfast. (laughs) They didn't recognize him, right? Uh So there was a part of him that was the same, but yet different. You know, normal bodies can't, like, uh, walk into locked rooms without using walls or doors or windows. But somehow Jesus was able to do this. You know, so there's, there's so much that we don't know. Like the old saying goes, what we know is a drop. What we don't know is the ocean. So this is, I think, a great way to end out our discussion of vulnerability and increasing our vulnerability. Uh, I love her idea of, you know, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Mm -hmm. If I could see all of Christianity defined in those terms, I think, you know, the world is on a great place uh, just to, you know, bringing the whole story to its conclusion, bringing the whole world back together. Uh, But I wanted to just briefly touch on the next armor, because I think it kind of like correlates with what we've just talked about. And I'm not going to say much about it, but the fifth armor is being, is being a knower and being right, right? As yep. armored leadership. And the daring component to that is being a learner and getting it right. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in Christian circles, there is so much pressure to know the right things,
2: yeah.
0: you know, to be right. And I think when you define yourself as a knower of things, right, it's already in a defensive posture. Yeah. You're already donned your armor, taking out your weapons, and you're ready. Yeah. You're ready to rumble, mm-hmm. right? And I think in a lot of ways, this is driven by shame. Hmm. It's driven by shame of, you know, the shame of being wrong in the past, you know, and the fear of being wrong in the future. And I feel like the more time you spend in this I have to be a knower, right, I have to be right, the harder it is to get out of it. And I think a great illustration from this is the history of Israel, especially the way it manifested manifested itself in Jesus' day with the Pharisees. And I think we can tend to knock the Pharisees a lot. I personally feel like that Jesus probably was a Pharisee because he was very accepted in their circles. And that's basically the group he spent most of his time with. You know, he spent like a few weeks with the Sadducees and they, they killed him, you know. But the Pharisees spent three years with him, engaging him, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there were pockets of them that were looking to kill him and, you know, looking to take him out. But he was able to freely move in those circles. And the interesting thing about the Pharisees is where I feel like they came from. And many people have written much better books than I'll ever be able to write on this. And they've talked at length at these concepts. So I'm just briefly going to touch on it. So basically you have the idea of Israel going into exile. The dream is done, right? The temple has been destroyed. Foreign powers have come in and have carried them out from their land. The whole point was that they were supposed to stay in the land, right? That God gave them. That was their inheritance. So traumatic failure, and I have this idea in my head of them sitting in Babylon like with post-traumatic stress
2: mm-hmm.
0: and being like, "What happened How did this happen?" and it was like a crisis
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe maybe God's not real maybe maybe he's not sovereign like we thought he was uh-huh.
2: mm-hmm.
0: but because they're Israel, that's not even on the table that's not even an option right I don't think we give them enough credit for that. They turned around on themselves and they said we're here because we broke the law because we're lawbreakers
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we broke the law because we didn't know the law so we need to know the law and out of this came basically the Hebrew Bible they started pulling together all these texts that had kind of been scattered and are in different forms they brought them together in a collection of scrolls this is most likely where the final editing took place or the redactions, as they talk about it in uh, history classes. And, you know, there was a huge emphasis on we have to get this right. There's going to come a time again when we're going to go back to the land that God promised, and then we're going to know this, and we're going to know how to do it right. And then Jesus comes into this. (laughs) And he just messes the whole thing up. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, no. You know, you, you don't even know the scriptures. You don't even understand the scriptures. If you understood the scriptures, you would know that they were all talking about me. Uh-huh. And what I'm doing. But what are you doing?
2: Uh-huh.
0: He was in the business of creating the new humanity. Yes. So to close out our discussion on increasing our vulnerability, I just want to leave us with let go of being a knower and having to be right and embrace being a learner and getting it right. The whole history of Israel, the whole history of the church can be boiled down to, we need to learn how to learn.
1: Hmm. We need to be
0: open and vulnerable to the fact that we don't know everything, and that was never the point. Yeah. The point has been love. Mm-hmm. The point has been compassion. The point has been bringing the world back together, and we can only do that if we're open and vulnerable, that we don't know everything, and that understanding that we're not here to be right, we're here to get it right. In the words of Brene Brown. (laughs)
1: That's awesome, honey. Um, so I know we're coming really soon into our September virtual roundtable. We are. And we are holding them on live on Facebook. This conversation is open to all. Please engage us. We're not looking for yes people. We're looking at why and how people. Let's start the conversation. If you have not uh, subscribed in iTunes... Please go ahead and do that. It, it allows us to expose this conversation. Leave a rating if you can, and don't forget that all Jimmy's deeper dives and notes are at our website at www.whysuperstar. Life to the full podcast. There's also an option where you could join the private community where he has even deeper, deeper dives, <laughs> and for those who love to geek out. But the conversations are public they're the last friday of every month um and for those who don't like to be live on facebook join the private slack community that i just mentioned um we hope to continue to have these conversations honey great great job and can i say something you started um the whole spring season without reading this book (laughs) (laughs) there to lead and it's amazing how we've been on the same path as this book has unfolded for you Mm -hmm. and that to me is just you know the work of the holy spirit and just really redirecting us to the new humanity amen adios muchachas and
0: muchachos